You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressandcrest.org. Well, thank you for joining us again today for Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey. We have been in a series having conversations with all of the different ministers here at the Preston Crest Church of Christ. I've enjoyed uh, getting to know them a little bit more, and obviously you've got to know a lot more about them as a listener and their different ministries. We're coming toward the end of the series, and I was able to get Brian Borden today before they leave on their summer mission trips. Uh, Brian is our youth minister here at Preston Crest, been here for a good while. Brian, we're glad that you're with us today. Thanks. Glad to be here. So I know a little bit about your family and Gina and your children and your ministry, but go ahead and tell us a little bit more about uh, your ministry and background and how you got to Preston Crest, and then we'll get into the conversation. Great. Yeah, so I grew up a preacher's kid in the colony, Texas, uh, just outside of Dallas. Uh, my dad was a was a preacher there, started the church there. Uh, man, I grew up with parents that loved the Lord and taught us how to follow Jesus from an early age. Uh, I have one older sister. She's four years older than me. She always looked out for me and always knew how to bribe me uh, with baseball cards. And so <laughs> always always fun to have a sister that knows how to get you to do what she wants you to do. Um, lost my dad when I was 15 years old in a car accident um, and had a lot of coaches, my youth minister of the church, really rally around my family and help us walk through that tough time. Um, and through that, uh, the preacher at the colony, uh, took me out to ACU, uh, introduced me to a lot of people out there. And, uh, my dad went there, um, and graduated from ACU and my sister was out there for a little bit. And, and so I decided, yeah, I'm going to, I think I can go to ACU and ended up walking on and playing football for ACU for a couple years. Uh, and then decided, uh, man, that's, uh, not for me anymore. Um, and so I uh, finished out uh, my bachelor's degree and then got my master's degree uh, while I was there at ACU. And that's in my last year of grad school. I met my wife, Gina. Um, and we, were been, we got married in July um, 13th of 2002. Uh, so we've been married for almost 19 years now. We've got three, three great kids. Uh, Bryce is 14. Jaden's 11. Hallie will turn nine this Sunday. I've been doing youth ministry for about 20 years. I started out at First Colony uh, for just about 12 years and, um, man, fell in love with youth ministry, fell in love with that church, thought we were going to stay there forever. And the Lord called us here to to Preston Crest, and we told him no a couple times because we had just built a house out in, in Sugar Land and thought, no, this is, this is where the Lord wants us. And um, after telling him no a couple times, the Lord said, no, that's that's where I want you. And 
uh, we uh, decided, all right, Lord, we'll, we'll follow you and ended up coming out here. And we've been here for a little over eight years now and, and just loving it, loving the church, loving youth ministry and our students and just families that we get to walk through life with. Well, I know Preston Crest is very glad to have you. It's quite a story, and you've shared with me a little bit before about um, growing up and then having that tragedy happen in your family, and I'm always encouraged to hear about how the church rallied around you and your family during a dark time. Um, And you went to ACU, played football for a little while. You've obviously fell in love, like you said, with youth ministry, been in it for 20 years. But where was kind of the beginning point in your life where you became interested in that profession? Yeah, so when I went out to ACU, I thought I was going to be a coach or, you know, my dad was a preacher. I thought, well, maybe maybe I can preach. Um, and I, had, you know, went to rush on a mission trip, had preached a few times at some smaller churches and thought, well, maybe the Lord's calling me to, to preach. And um, when I when I was my senior year in high school, I ended up being the captain, one of the captains of the football team and. Um, just got a lot of accolades and um, played really well and uh, ended up getting invited out to walk on to ACU. And I thought, OK, well, maybe I'm, I'm supposed to either I'm supposed to coach football. And so decided, no, we're that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to coach football and maybe I'll do ministry as a as a minor, um, just so that if if I get burned out on on coaching, I, I could maybe go preach at a, at a church, small church somewhere and. Um, it was, it was kind of the, kind of the way it happened. My sophomore year, um, I got burned out and I got injured a lot. Um, I played in about five games, but I was constantly in the training room getting treatment and, uh, rehabbing all the time. And man, I was just, uh, my, my body was getting beat up uh, and I was tired. My offensive line coach moved to defensive line. And so I was gonna have to start all over again. And I just thought, you know what? Uh, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think the Lord really took that away from me, that away from my heart, just that passion for football. Uh, and so I kind of floundered for a little bit, not knowing what to do. And my youth minister came out to ACU looking for interns. He said, I'm trying to start a, an internship program at the colony. Uh, do you want to you be my intern? I was just kind of thinking, man, I don't know what a youth minister does. And um, I said yes, and uh, that summer is probably when I felt called to youth ministry. Fell in love with youth ministry. Um, thought, man, that's I think I'm going to do ministry, and so mm-hmm. I changed my major to uh, youth and family ministry and uh, pulpit ministry as well. And probably when I knew I was called to youth ministry was when I went out to First Colony um, for the first summer and. I was waiting on a church in Dallas to offer me an internship, and and a church from Houston offered me an internship. And I thought, man, I'm a big guy. I don't I don't like going down to Houston. I sweat a lot, and so <laughs> I just thought, man, that's uh, Lord. I don't know what you're doing, but if you're calling me to youth ministry, show me. You know how how I can help students grow in their faith and 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 walk through life with them. And that summer was just incredible, uh, helping a youth group that uh, was was very cliquish. Um, become one. Um, the other intern and I, that was a, kind of our main objective was helping them become one that summer. And so that was a neat, neat summer. And one of the ways I saw God just saying, yeah, this is, this is where I want you. Well, that's a neat story. And it is interesting how God opens doors that we never expect. Um, one conversation a lot of church leaders have, and I think it's a good question to talk about. You know, we talk about youth ministry and youth ministers, but Brian, what is uh, 
what is youth ministry? Because I think you'd agree there are a lot of really bad definitions out there of what youth ministry is. So in the 20 years you've been doing this, and I've obviously been successful with it, what is youth ministry? That's a good question. It's so funny. When I was uh, growing up, um, we, you know, in some of the churches were that my dad preached at, because he started at the colony, and then we ended up going into a few other churches to kind of help them um, uh, grow. And, and, and my dad always had kind of a mission heart. And some of those churches didn't have youth ministers. Um, but I remember when we went back to the colony, my dad was a missionary in Russia, um, you know, going back and forth. Our, our, the youth minister there was was outstanding and really loved on us. Um, and then we went through a, a, a period where we didn't have a youth minister and different dads would step into that role. Um, and then I remember um, finally we, we did get a youth minister that stayed for, for a long time and, uh, and just how he just kind of helped model what, what Christ was uh, to us uh, and helped us kind of come together and in fact when I when I was think when he asked me to be an intern I I'd never thought of youth ministry as a profession um, and in fact when I was at first calling I had a parent one time I was you know I was the youth one of the youth ministers there and I had a, I was sitting at a dinner with a parent and and they're and we're sitting there just talking and he goes so what do you do for a job like how do you make money and I was just I just started thinking well I work for the church and you guys pay me. And he was kind of like, oh, and that was kind of the end of that conversation and <laughs> kind of entered awkwardly. But um, I think a lot of people don't, you know, see um, youth ministry. They kind of just think, well, you're just going and playing with students and keeping them out of trouble. And that was a lot of early on in my ministry career, people would come up to me and just say, man, I'm just so glad you're doing a lot with the students to keep them out of trouble, you know, and mm-hmm. let's do fifth quarter parties so that they're not out at real parties and all this kind of stuff. And, and I just started thinking, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to make kids busy to stay out of trouble. I'm here to help them become like Christ. I want them to grow in their faith. I want them to know what it's like to follow Jesus, to be loved, to be in a, in a supporting um, group. And so, so for me, youth ministry is helping students and families fall in love with Jesus, uh, to grow in a daily and deeper walk with him. Uh, it's helping them serve and, and be a part of the church community at large, not just being a separate entity of a mm-hmm. church, but being a part of the church. Mm-hmm. It's a great answer. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we go on through the conversation today. But I love what you said, you know, your job is to help teenagers and uh, young people become more like Christ, um, and maybe that's getting harder and harder to do as our world is changing at such a rapid pace. So the next question is, uh, you know, Brian, you've been doing this for two decades, and, you know, the world hasn't changed an extravagant amount in 20 years, but there's been some significant changes as well. What are some of the greatest challenges that you see teenagers facing right now in 2021? And I'd say one is right now what our students are battling is what is truth. Um, We live in a culture right now that just wants truth to be what you want to make it Mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of twist it in a way so that, well, let's all be comfortable. Don't make anyone feel uncomfortable. There's uh, we're all, you know, you, everyone kind of finds their own truth and that's, that's what truth is. And, uh, so trying to help students navigate those conversations with their friends and others uh, in a way that is loving, but also f- for them to be able to stand for 
what what Jesus calls us mm-hmm. uh, a life to be holy uh, mm-hmm. and to be different, to be set apart. Uh, another one is, you know, growing up, I never had to deal with cell phones uh, or social media, and so our students are just they're they're on call. It seems like twenty four seven. They have a um, you know a walking computer in their pocket, and so it's just kind of that constantly being on their phones and seeing what's going on in the world and seeing all the different tragedies and and you know seeing what what they are a part of and what they're excluded from with you know different things going on uh, we we see a lot of stress and anxiety and depression um, just from uh, being uh, on all the time uh, it's like they don't really take down times. Our students are busy anyways with uh, what we call a lot of times building resumes. They're, mm-hmm. they're constantly trying to be in all these different leadership opportunities. And when we have just great students and they are in leadership opportunities, they're academically strong, uh, or they're in athletics or extracurricular activities that are constantly pushing them mm-hmm. to go, go, go. Uh, and it seems like when they do get downtime, they're on their phones and they're having to make sure that they're keeping up their their Snapchat streaks that are trying to keep up with, you know, what's going on in everybody's lives. And they can't, you know, for me, it was nice because it was like if I wasn't invited to a party or I wasn't invited to a, you know, one of my friends went out or something and I wasn't invited, I didn't know about it. Right. Uh, but here, you know, everybody takes selfies and they're taking pictures and they're posting everything they're doing all the time. Uh, and so I always joke with Gina, I'm like, man, if we don't take a picture of our date, did it really happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, you know, if we don't post it on Facebook, does, do we really love each other? Mm-hmm. You know? And so, um, you know, Instagram's a, you know, a big one, Snapchat, stuff like that. Um, but really, you know, this is one of the first generations we're dealing with now that don't really need adults for information, uh, but they need us to help them process the information that's coming in. Right. Yeah. Postmodern culture, self-absorbed culture, imitation culture. Um, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, 20 years of youth ministry, uh, we're sitting in 2021. Your first year would have been the 9-11 attack on America. And, mm-hmm. you know, I said our culture hasn't changed extravagantly, which I still stand by that statement. We still had computers and the beginning of the digital electronic age, but yeah, there was no social media. Um, the world has changed for teenagers and young adults in a big way, uh, in the last 15 to 20 years. Um, okay. What about the, the Christian family though? Um, you know, cause you work with youth and families here at Preston Crest and, uh, it's no secret to anyone, regardless of one's political influence or leaning, that the idea of the Christian family uh, is under attack. So, you know, what are some of the greatest challenges that Christian families are facing today? Yeah, that's a good question. I, Man, it's, as Christians, we're called to be holy, you know, to be different, to be set apart, to not be like the world so that we can shine in this world. And I think when you look at a lot of the statistics out there, um, whether it's um, divorce or abuse or things like that, I mean, there's so much uh, that we're not exempt from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there is a big um, just culture of living in fear. Um 
whether, you know, I mean, think about our students, you know, they have to go to a school where they don't just do natural disaster drills. They have to do, uh, you know, active shooter drills uh, and all these other, you know, things that they have to jump through because uh, we live in a, in a culture that mm-hmm. man, it is just driven by fear. And so I think for us as Christian families, sometimes we, we fall into those traps of um, not maybe reaching out to our neighbors or not really including people that are we're not sure about because mm-hmm. man it's you know it's not safe out there um you know the the biggest challenge probably our our families face though is uh, just discernment of time mm-hmm. um you know when you think about if you say yes to so many good things um we a lot of times we'll end up saying no to some of the god things uh, and I think that's one of our, our struggles um, is, man, we, yeah, we want our kids to be successful. We want our kids to be able to grow up and leave home and, and raise their family someday, Lord willing. But um, at the same time, if we're so busy building those resumes that we talk about, you know, of, of making sure that they're doing the right academics and they're doing the right uh, extracurricular things and the leadership things and the service things, then a lot of times we say no to some of the the things mm-hmm. that God could could really do when mm-hmm. in some of our downtimes. Yeah. That's a great line to live by is every time you say yes to something you're saying no to something else at the same time kind of like I had a basketball coach tell me one time, "Hey, don't ever be upset at yourself because you just got rebounds, you didn't score a basket because actually every time you get a rebound, you're actually scoring two more points for your team." think of it that way the same way with time management every time you say yes you're saying no to something else and sometimes the things that are most important are what we say no to um yeah and we're living in such a busy culture there is no downtime there is no time just to be silent uh to meditate on what god has said think about what god wants um and i'm also really encouraged brian you've mentioned this a couple of times already about one of your goals in youth ministry is to build the bridge between the inevitable generational gap that happens in almost every church. Um, when I was at Harding, I remember Dr. Scott Adair, who was the director of youth ministry at Harding, um, for one of our classes, it wasn't a youth ministry class, but he was making a reference to youth ministry. And he drew on the board uh, the Mickey Mouse looking head that you see on all of Disney's advertisements. And he said, what we've done unintentionally in church with youth ministry at times is created what he called the Mickey Mouse syndrome where the majority of the church is the head of Mickey Mouse and then you know Mickey Mouse has two ears and you have one of those ears being youth ministry and maybe another ear being children's ministry but they never incorporate totally into the head of the body of the church and I know that you believe very strongly that we can't suffer from a Mickey Mouse syndrome here at Preston Crest so how do we build that generational gap? Yeah, it's a great question. I think one of the advantages of our of our heritage uh, in the Church of Christ uh, is that we have always had the full family a part of the worship service. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's a big staple of who we are. Um, so many churches pull children and youth out of worship. Uh, the entire time, and so they don't get to see their parents worship. They don't get to see uh, older people model what does it look like to pray. What does it look like to read scripture? What you know? What what does it look like to 
to worship the Lord. Um, and so I, I really love that about uh, our church that um, for, for the majority of worship, our, our students and our children are in there uh, and they're engaged and they're a part of what's going on. Um, one of the one of the ways that we try to bridge the gap uh, and and bring different aspects of the church and try to integrate our students is is our small groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are led by uh, young adults from Discover. Those are led by young marrieds in our church. They're led by um, parents of young kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, here are you know older adults that don't have children in our youth group yet it's not like they're they're leading bible studies and and walking with our students in life uh, because one of them is their student uh, they're doing it because man they they want to reach out mm-hmm. and they want to uh, grow our student ministry and they want to help our students know hey when you're when you're raising a family, this is what it can look like. Or man, when you graduate and you're out there and you're living single, this is what you can look like. Um, this is how you have faith. Uh, and I think that's one of the the big models. I think that we that we have in our students. One of their favorite things is small groups, and it's I think it's mainly because of our leaders, uh, because it's not like they just show up and just interact with them once a week. I mean, they're texting them throughout the week. They're doing they're going to some of their games. They're going to some of their activities. Uh, they're really engaging uh, with our students. The other way uh, we try to have our students serve within our church, uh, one is th- in our children's ministry. A lot of our students, you'll see them in church when they dismiss kids for children's ministry, you know, for, for children's church. A lot of our, a big section of our students will get up mm-hmm. and walk out as well. And what they're doing is they're going to help out, whether it's sitting on blankets uh, with the younger kids or helping with uh, some of the older kids, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being mentors and models there. Uh, we serve at, you know, Vacation Bible School and, and different children's activities, uh, but also trying to get our, our students engaged uh, on the worship team. We have a number of our students that, that help lead worship with, with John Scott. And then we have, you know, students that will get up there and, and read scripture. And before COVID, we had mm-hmm. students that were engaged in leading communion and, and passing out communion. Uh, one of the areas that we probably need to grow in, uh, especially to, to help, you know, get our young ladies kind of involved in the worship service because some of them sing. But if they don't sing, it's like, OK, well, let's get you up and, and have you working on our media. You can help. Mm-hmm you know, move the slides or you can help, mm-hmm. you know, run different different things upstairs and and help with our technical side of worship as well. And so trying to give our students opportunities to participate in that. Um, other things we do is, you know, we've, we've done dinners with uh, different groups in our church, uh, whether it's the Paysetters group uh, or, you know, hosting a dinner for our, our ministers and elders. Uh, we try to do different things to where we are having our students sit and and visit and communicate with uh, with different members within our congregation. And then our classes are, you know, we're we're a pretty big youth group. We have you know over 100 students. So on a Sunday morning, anywhere from 60 to 80 students will be there, and it's way too big for you know mm-hmm. one or two youth ministers to teach. And so we break out into three different groups. And so I have parents. Uh, that will partner with me and will teach different grades. Uh, and so they're getting to see parents teaching as well. And so I think it just takes a, a lot of um, 
um, different different aspects. Uh, probably one of the new one of the biggest ways we just started uh, incorporating students. We just hired a, an associate youth minister, and on our search team, we included a number of our students uh, to help mm-hmm. us think through and process. So they're not only just um, you know, like for us, you know, having our students, we have a student ministry team that help us think through youth ministry and everything, but for them to be a part of with our elders and some of our parents, uh, our students had an equal voice on what they, um, what they saw in each candidate. Uh, and so I think that was good. They, they all talked to me about really enjoying that process and being thankful to be a part of that. And I think a lot of it was because they got to see a lot of, you know, our, our, our adults, and how they interact, um, and how they they uh, go through the process as well. A lot of wisdom in that, Brian. Um, and you got a good as- associate youth minister. Absolutely, yeah. Erin's yeah, going to do a great yeah, job. Yes, she will. Um, and see, those are such important things. Getting them involved in every aspect of of church life and serving the church. I was very blessed that. Um, the preacher at the church where I grew up, Waterview, Robert Oglesby, which people hear me talk about him often, but Waterview launched me into a leadership role at a very young age, which developed in me a passion to continue it uh, through life. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes churches make is never allowing young people to spread their wings and fly. And when they get older and we say, why are they not serving the church? It may not be that they don't have the desire as much as it is. They just don't know how Mm because they were, and never given the opportunity to learn how at a younger age. So, Brian, a lot of people listening to this today are probably at small churches or uh, churches that have had a youth ministry in the past, but it's kind of tapered off as kids grow older and graduate, and they didn't really you know, replace those children in the sense of, of numbers. So if a church is listening to this saying, man, we really need to get a youth ministry going, um, with your experience, how does a church kind of build a grassroots youth ministry? Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I talked about, you know, when I was younger, we had a youth minister and then for a season we went through uh, a couple years where we just had, you know, different dads that would step up and lead different things. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, you know, best things about youth ministry is if you don't build it on the youth minister, mm-hmm. uh, one of my main things coming into press and crest was, this doesn't need to be Brian's youth minister, you know, group. This doesn't need to be about me. Uh, we've got to build uh, a ministry that if I left, it wouldn't matter, you know, because it would continue to go. And so I think parent involvement, parent buy-in, we have a, um, we have a leadership team uh, of some parents um, that have come in and they help us think through different things. You know, we have a vision, uh, you know, of, of helping develop sticky faith in our students, uh, in our families, you know, as we reach up, reach in and reach out and our leadership team, we, we kind of everything we do and what we, you know, what we're framing our youth ministry about is kind of seen through those lenses and they kind of help hold me accountable and I kind of hold, hold them accountable. Um, but I think, you know, like I said, we have small groups, um, then I can't lead, four small groups. We have classes and I can't lead three classes at one time. And so I think a lot of it is helping you, you build a team of people that are passionate about students that want to pour into them and they, they want to teach them how to pray. They want to teach mm. them how to be in the word. Um, yes, youth ministry needs to be fun. It needs to be interactive. 
Um, but it also has to teach them how to wash feet. It yeah. needs to teach them how to how to dig in. So what are some of the biggest mistakes churches make uh, with their youth groups? I think we've touched on several of them, but any that we haven't talked about already? No, I, you know, I think like you had talked about, the biggest one is is the Mickey Mouse ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we separate them and we treat our students as a subsection of the church because if they don't, you know, if we don't let them wrestle with their faith, to grow in their faith, to you talk about spread their wings and fly, but sometimes we got to let them crash and burn too. Mm-hmm. If we're not giving them opportunities to serve and grow uh, right where they are, then we're not going to be able to uh, launch them into college or beyond. Uh, if they don't go to college, they go to something else. Well, how do they find a church home and mm-hmm. serve there and grow and connect? Uh, and that's probably one of the biggest things. If we're not teaching our students how to connect and grow, uh, when they leave here, they're going to go, well, I just can't find a church like Preston Crest, or I can't find, I miss the youth group because, you know, you did everything for me. And that was how I had my faith. And Really teaching students, you know, we do a thing called five, 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 five minutes in prayer, five minutes in scripture, five minutes journaling. And we try to challenge them saying, hey, you need to be, yes, we're going to come together and we're going to strengthen each other. We're going to, we're going to help you grow, but you also have to learn how to do some of this on your own too, so that when you come, you're bringing stuff to the table as well. Man, that's, that's really good. And, uh, I see in the area that I work here at Preston Crest with the young adults, which my specific area is people once they graduate college up to age 35. Um, but I think back to when I was a student at Harding, the kids that stopped going to church when they became college students and were on their own were the kids that you're talking about came from a church where the youth group did everything for them. And to a certain extent, I think you know what I mean by this. That wasn't real life. So that when they became adults just visiting a church for the first time and they didn't have the youth minister and they didn't have all the events and all the hoorah and camps and all, church didn't mean anything to them. And so they stopped going. And uh, young adults are the same way. If that's their experience in college, when they get to Dallas-Fort Worth and they're on their own and there's all these different churches and those churches aren't just totally catering to them they don't they don't stay and i think like you said we begin to form those good habits when they're in junior high and high school to know how to think and and act for themselves um you love this church you've been here for uh, eight years i guess and you're involved in areas of press and crest other than just youth ministries so what is your uh, biggest hope for this church in the years to come yeah i you know i think the biggest thing um, my biggest hope would be for us to, to grow and reach the lost. Um, and I, I want us to, to be a church that, that we're lights in our schools, lights in work, our workplaces, in our neighborhoods that we're, you know, bringing those lost sheep to their shepherd and father, you know, ultimately, um, you know, to be a community that, that we're for each other, that we do life together. We don't just show up punch our ticket of, of worship and, and then go eat lunch together and take off and not do it until, you know, the next Sunday. But really we're doing life together and we're being lights out in our community to where, you know, when I go to my kids' baseball games, um, I'm not just there to cheer my, my son or daughter on. I'm there also to, to help those mm-hmm. families with what they're wrestling with, what they're growing with, that I have a ministry beyond, um, 
just showing up and, and doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I want us to be open to accepting new people uh, into our, our groups. But, I, you know, it's it's such a hard balance of you want to grow your, your group so deep and so much, you know, in love with each other that they're for each other and they're doing life together. And sometimes it makes it hard for new people to come in and, mm-hmm. and find a place. And so it's not easy. But to be a church that could grow together but also be inviting and, and able to, to bring new people in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, probably just to be a church that we don't live by tradition. We're willing to adapt, change, grow, but still yielding to Scripture, uh, just not being stuck in our routine or stuck in just kind of wanting to make life comfortable for everybody. I think one of the scary things for me for a church is if we try to make people comfortable um, because that's not our role as ministers. We're not here to make life easy or comfortable. I mean, Jesus said, you know, he came and he. It, it's not easy. It's it's. Following Jesus is is carrying a cross, and man, everyone has a different cross to bear. Um, but it's just not. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably the hardest thing is people think church is a place where man, I should come, and it's just easy, and it's just comfortable, and it's and it's just it's not. I mean, we're it's a church full of people, which means, <laughs> I mean, the church is people. So mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes it difficult because we all have different struggles we all have different issues we're going through um and if we're open and honest with each other then we can get through it together well said um okay so you know every minister likes to talk about this just for people who wonder just what do you do every day uh what is your favorite thing and then maybe your least favorite thing about being a full-time minister working for the church yeah i (laughs) i love I think just when I see God using me, mm-hmm. um, especially like just in the relationships uh, with our students, um, whether it's on mission trips, whether it's just going out to eat with our students or, you know, taking a student out one on one, going and cheering them on at their their baseball games or their plays or their you know choir shows or whatever it is and sitting with families and and being able to, to love on the parents love on the students and help them grow in their faith and, and just being a part of, of seeing that, that growth. Um, my least favorite thing probably, man, I think it's just when I go through seasons, um, where it's hard to worship where I work. Uh, and I think what I mean by that, um, is it's hard sometimes um, to be on and to be vulnerable to what the Holy Spirit could be doing in worship that day in me. Um, because I'm, I'm may not make it to church, you know, until communion, uh, because I'm, you know, talking to people or I'm needing to, to minister to someone or, you know, if I'm, if I'm in church and my mind is racing on all the things that, the conversations I had from that morning or on the things that have to be done for youth activities at night or different things. Um, so that's probably, you know, when I go through seasons where, um, I, I, I can't just sit and worship. Um, that's probably the hardest. Sometimes it's, it's hard to worship, uh, at the church you work at just because, uh, we're on and, 
Um, not that you don't love people, you don't love what you do, but there are seasons that it's just hard to go, man, I just want to go and worship and not think about all the million things that the people I need to go connect with and the things I got to go do. I just want to sit at the feet of Jesus and worship. And, you know, we find times to do that um, in our offices and stuff or, you know, in, in conferences or different places. But, man, every once in a while, it's nice just to, you know, on a, on a Sunday to be able to go, you know what, I'm just going to worship today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you had one class left to teach, Brian, uh, you knew, like, this was your last Sunday, um, what do you think you would teach about? I would do Romans 8, 31 mm. through 39. And for our kids to, or, you know, whoever I'm teaching, just to see how much God loves us, how big his grace and his mercy is, um, and that, that that love, that grace, that mercy is is unconditional. It's There's nothing you can do to run from it. Um, and then because we receive this great love and grace and mercy that we go and extend that to others. Mm. Great passage. Yeah, that's a passage that you could read every day and never get tired of it. Brian, thank you for your time today, and we wish you well. Brian was telling me before we record this podcast, there's a bus trip to South Dakota that's going to be quite a trip. So It's going to be a long one. Yeah, we wish you... Uh, Blessings on that trip and travel mercies and all that good stuff. And thanks to Gina for her part in your ministry as well. We want to thank you for listening today. And as always, we want to remind you that along this journey of life, this road of life, there will be problems, there will be troubles, road work. But here at Road Talk, we want to help you get ready and navigate your journey any way that we can. And as always, keep your eyes on heaven. And we will talk to you next time.